0: This is the news for the week beginning the 5th of June 2023. The Australia-UK free trade agreement came into effect last Wednesday with significant implications for the local labour market, although the headline benefit is the removal of tariffs on over 99% of Australian goods exported to the UK. The FTA includes a stronger commitment to improving access for workers and waives the requirement for labour market testing on businesses wanting to employ people from the UK. It also increases the age limit for working holiday visas to 35 years and extends the time people can stay to three years. New visa provisions have been introduced to enable intra-company transfers and to create a new visa pathway to Australia for innovators from the UK.
1: Australia's lowest paid workers will take home an extra twenty per hour when the new minimum wage decision takes effect from 1 July 2023. The Fair Work Commission announced an increase to the rate of the national minimum wage by 5.75% in its 2023 decision, taking the hourly pay rate for lowest paid workers from $21.38 to $22.60. The Commission also decided to increase all modern award minimum wage rates by 5.75% effective from the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2023. Under the decision, workers will still be taking a real wage cut with inflation coming in at 6.8% in the 12 months to April.
0: Accordant the New Zealand-based owner of brands AWF, the Work Collective, Madison Recruitment, Absolute IT, Jackson Stone and Partners, and Hobson Levy has reported revenue rose 2.7% to $227 million New Zealand dollars in the 20. 2022 financial year profit before tax declined 34 percent to three million dollars
1: Australia has hit 78 percent of its 2030 tech job target of 1.2 million according to a report released this week by the Tech Council of Australia according to the report our tech workforce was sitting at 935 thousand in February An additional 10,500 jobs were added to the roster during a three-month period up until March. This news may seem surprising considering the continued number of high-profile job losses within the Australian tech sector. But according to research from the TCA, for every tech job lost over the past quarter, 20 have been created. The majority of these most recent jobs have come from the indirect tech sector, which the report explains as tech-intensive jobs within other industries. The report states that 1 in 14 working Australians have a job in tech, and there are now more software engineers than plumbers, hairdressers or baristas in Australia. The average tech job wages in Australia remain high, with the average sitting at $132,000, according to the TCA's report. The average time to hire an employee is now taking 44 days, an all-time high, according to a report. Findings of the global talent climate released by the Josh Bernson Company and AMS revealed that time-to-hire rates in the first quarter of 2023 alone had extended by a day across all industries. As our data shows, time-to-hire has risen consistently for the last four years, said Jim Sykes, Global Managing Director of Client Operations at AMS. The energy and defence industry reported the longest recruitment period with over 67 days, thanks to the specialisation of roles and small talent pools available, according to the report. This is also the reason why the professional services industry is taking more than 47 days to find a new employee. The retail and consumer industry registered the shortest time to hire rates for 2022.
0: The Commonwealth Bank has ordered its 49,000 staff back into the office, demanding they show up at least 50% of their working time. The office mandate came from CBA Chief Executive Matt Komen and his executive team in an email delivered to inboxes last Monday. We've now set the expectation with our office-based people that from mid-July they will be required to come into the office for at least 50% of their work time per month, CBA Group Executive of Human Resources, Shian Lewis, told the Australian Financial Review. She said the move was prompted by a decision to drive innovation and collaboration with face-to-face interactions. The order adds CBA to a growing list of employers mandating employees back to workplaces. Recently, NAB Chief Executive Ross McEwen also asked his senior staff to come back five days a week in the office. The move comes as research showed that just one in 10 workers are heading into the city five days a week. Alarmingly for employers, that figure dropped from one in five over the course of March and April this year, according to a Victorian Chamber of Commerce and Industry survey. However, the number of employees working from the office three to four days per week has increased from 41% in November 2022 to 46% in March 2023. From June 6 onwards, employees can legally challenge an employer's refusal to grant flexible work arrangements.
1: According to the Grattan Institute's new report, Shortchanged How to Stop the Exploitation of Migrant Workers in Australia, up to 16% of employed recent migrants were paid less than the national minimum wage compared to up to 9% for all employees being paid below the national minimum wage across Australia. Up to 8.5% of recent migrants were paid at least $3 less than the hourly minimum. The report suggests these numbers are likely to underrepresent the extent of underpayment because the analysis only counts those being paid less than the national minimum wage. It does not count cases where workers are underpaid against appropriate award rates, which typically pay more than the national minimum wage, penalty rates, or are not paid their super. The report goes on to suggest that part of the reason recent migrants are more likely to be underpaid is because they tend to work in industries where underpayment is more prevalent, such as hospitality and agriculture. For example, temporary visa holders accounted for nearly 20% of workers in hospitality, the industry with the highest reported rate of underpayment. Migrants also tend to be younger workers. Employees aged 20 to 29 are nearly six times more likely to be paid less than the national minimum wage than workers aged 30 to 39. But even after accounting for age, industry and other demographic characteristics, migrants are still more likely to be underpaid according to the report. The main reasons for underpayment are immigrants' being less aware of their rights and the reduced likelihood they will complain due to concern they may jeopardise their visa through potential employer retribution.
0: Last Thursday was Talent X Day for the RCSA. And Adele, you and I were in Sydney. We attended Talent X at the International Convention Centre and then also went to the awards night at Luna Park. So firstly, what did you think of TalentX? Yeah,
1: I thought it was a overall a great event. Uh, it appeared to be very well attended. I believe there were more people this year in Sydney than were at the event, the same event, same time last year in Melbourne. So it definitely seemed to be very well attended, um, very well organised as it always is with the RCSA. And I feel like uh, there was also even more exhibitors that were there and I really do enjoy that part of it, Ross. I... Um, like to hear about the new rec tech that's out there and updates to existing rec tech and connect with all of those suppliers to the industry as well. What were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it. I always enjoy being able to talk to many people i wouldn't otherwise get on the phone <laughs> so there were plenty plenty of owners and leaders there that I know, so I had plenty and also um, vendors, people who work for the suppliers in the industry, so I had many conversations. It's uh, enjoyable just to wander around and have those conversations without, as we all experience at the awards night, a lot of noise. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just a bit easier. The coffee was good. I really enjoyed the food. I didn't sit on many of the speakers' um, presentations, but uh, I did sit on Ephraim Stevenson's presentation where he Mm -hmm. talked about the growth of the collar recruitment business that he established only, well, less than two years ago. And for those of you that are interested in what I'm talking about, I'd direct you to Pete Watson's most recent episode of Recruitment Journeys, which it does feature Pete's conversation with Ephraim. Very interesting hearing about Ephraim's background and his path to establishing collar recruitment and the things that they've done to get to 115 employees in less than a year sorry less than two years and also they're up to nearly a thousand people out in terms of daily or weekly sorry daily uh, temps or contractors, so it's mm. quite a success story. So, as I said to my wife when I explained, I was trying to explain Ephraim, and I said he kind of strikes me as like the Robbie Williams of the Australian <laughs> recruitment industry. He's got that kind of look and that kind of cheeky <laughs> character, the English accent, and uh, yeah. So I'm sure he'll just, see that
1: as a compliment for sure.
0: Well, um. I hope so. My, my wife said, "Well, now whenever you talk about him, you just have to say the Robbie Williams guy." She said, I'll, <laughs> right. remember, I'll remember him. So,
1: Yeah, I think that's also a great point around an event like that. You know, it gets you to see what else is going on, gets you to look up and look around the industry a little bit. I think sometimes um, we can get used to um, being a little insular and looking down and working hard. And then when we do compare, we often call someone we know that's going to give us a good answer, a favourable answer to something. But what you want to hear is, you know, the real truth about what else is going out there and to be able to make some comparisons, good or bad, I suppose around what you're doing in your own business and, you know, how you're making use of, um, you know, technology as I've said or or other tools and, and, um, you know, the ways you're, you're running your business for, you know, greatest
0: efficiency and growth. And I've got no doubt that without Ephraim's focus on, well, tech, but also getting the right people. And interestingly, the first person, if, if I heard him correctly, the first person he employed was a marketing person, not not a recruiter. Mm. So he's done things almost the reverse way that most recruitment agency owners do it, that they start with themselves and then they hire another recruiter and then they think about tech, whereas Ephraim's first person he hired was not a recruiter and he thought about tech and he got the platforms the various tech platforms in place, and that's enabled the growth to occur rapidly. And as he said, I think 12 physical locations in Australia and one in Manila. And I think he said there's three physical locations in Perth. So it is quite a success story, and it's uh, contrary or uh, very different to the, the growth of almost every other recruitment agency in this country.
1: Hmm, interesting. Wonder if he will go for an award next year. Uh, tell us about the award results now, Ruth. Yes,
0: the awards. Okay, so let's just go through the award winners. I'll read them out and then we can have a bit of a discussion about the awards. And then about the night, uh, there were 13 categories, 46 finalists from 179 entries, Winners, excellence in candidate care. This was jointly won by Caring for You, nursing agency and people to people. Excellence in social purpose, talent nation. Excellence in safety and wellbeing culture, Protect Group. Excellence in business innovation, Clix IT recruitment. Excellence in diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, Chandler McLeod. Excellence in client service, people to people recruitment. Outstanding agency, up to 10 staff, Elias Recruitment. Outstanding agency, up to 30 staff, Entree Recruitment. Outstanding agency, up to 80 staff, Mayday Recruitment. Outstanding agency, over 80 staff, People Bank Australia. Rising Star 2023, Caroline Suter, Mayday Recruitment. Recruitment Professional of the Year 2023, Michelle Rubenstein, Talent Web. Industry Leader 2023, jointly won by Rebecca Hartshorn. And Jeff Slade, Rebecca's from Launch, and Jeff is, of course, from Slade Group. And the CEO Award for Outstanding Contribution, Yelena Giro, I think it's pronounced um from Adelaide so I apologize Yelena if I've pronounced that incorrectly so they were the award winners um, yeah
1: congratulations to all of the winners and the finalists in fact with such a big number of entrants um to even be made a finalist I think a great achievement but congratulations to those winners I note there we talked you mentioned there were two categories where we had a joint winner so uh what do you think of that Ross
0: I'm not I've got to say I'm not a big fan of joint winners and I was not a judge well in any category and I didn't speak to Winsome Bernard the head of judging about why they awarded joint wins I would be interested to know a little bit more about that my preference is not to have joint winners my preference is definitely to have a winner but uh said i'm sure there's very good reason why they were joint winners they must have been incredibly hard to separate well impossible obviously (laughs) that's why they were joint winners
1: yeah Yeah, you would hope, uh, you know, recruiters would be good at uh, making a decision about uh, choice between two. But, yeah, sometimes I guess maybe it's hard to split. And I think it was managed uh, very professionally. Each winner was allowed to get up and accept the award separately. So they still got their, you know, time to shine, which was nice to see.
0: It was. Um, And we've got, you know, not that many joint, sorry, um, multiple winners. so uh, So people to people were uh, the winners of two categories excellence in candidate care and excellence in client service um, mayday won one as an agency and then they had the rising star and the chandler mcleod group which is chandler mcleod and also people bank one two so there was a reasonable spread of awards um, yeah. across the Yeah it was a big night though
1: there were you know lots of people there probably the biggest night I would say that the recruitment industry seen uh maybe ever uh, you know yeah for perhaps- sure Pre-COVID, I don't recall it being such a big night. It was at Luna Park under the big top, which was a really fantastic venue. It was very well organised. The dance floor was full. The drinks were flowing. Hmm. Um, I'm glad it came to a conclusion and you had to get back on a ferry because I think it probably could have got a bit ugly if it kept going on, but it was a really good night.
0: It was. 530 people, as far as I'm aware, the largest attendance ever, At an awards night, so all credit to the RCSA and, of course, RCSA members for supporting the event. It's all great when we can get together and have a good time. I certainly enjoyed the night and I'm looking forward to next year, which, according to tradition, will revert to Melbourne. So it's going to put a bit of pressure on the Melbourne recruitment community to top 530 from Sydney this year. So let's see if we can do it, given we're both Melburnians, Adele.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you weren't there and you're hearing us talk about it and you've wondered about going, you know, absolutely encourage you to come along. It is definitely a great night of celebration. You'll meet some people you never spoke to before in the industry, in a, in the, you know, in a great way, uh, and you'll just be able to celebrate the year that was, it was a good night.
0: Yep, if you didn't make it this year, put it in for next year. It'll be a similar time, last week of May or first week of June. Uh, I assume it'll be in Melbourne and a uh, great time to be had by all. And um, you and I will be there again we'll next year, there. no doubt. We'll see you there.
1: <laughs> okay. That concludes this episode of Recruitment News Australia. Thanks for listening. We look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.